0: Well, the eyes of the market have been firmly on the video's results. And absolutely, what a result that we've been seeing in terms of the numbers. The outlook, again, just showing that this company is doing everything right in the market. The results have lifted the NASDAQ. We've seen a lot of the AI names, the high-growth tech names doing quite well in the after-hours session. We'll have to see if it can continue going forward. We look also at this very early idea that the Fed could look to raise rates later later in the year. And we look at FX trades that we like and what we've got on the radar and this idea about what could cause volatility in the short term, remember that word? This is the trade-off. Hello, I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Mr. Blake Morrow. From Forex Analytics. So, we were discussing all these big thematics that are going through in the world of markets, some of the charts that we like, some of the probabilistic trades that have gone on our radar. So, let's jump straight into it, Mr. Blake Morrow. If you were a stock, you would be Nvidia, always exceeding expectations, always doing the right thing, innovation, sexy. It's all there, mate. How did you see it all going down? And we we're going to cover that in a second, but you know, how did you trade the after hours? Have you been
1: firmly as fixated on it as everyone in the world? Of course i've been fixated on it and uh the comments you just gave me you know would make my wife blush kind of making me blush too so uh no as far as nvidia goes i mean wow what a company i'm looking across the board looking at every metric that it beat uh, i mean everything from from revenues to you know operating margins gross margins earnings per share free cl- cash flow guidance yeah, going into it's first quarter 2025. It's, Ridiculous. I know, but it's interesting and because I
0: just don't want to go too much in the numbers because we can cover those in a second. I'll ask you a bit more in, in in sort of micro detail in a moment. But you know, I know that you're predominantly an FX guy and you sort of service a, a very strong FX community. But you know, it's not often that you go, guys, you've got to look at this stock because the implied vol is so high that it could spread through into rates. It could spread through. In, obviously, if the futures markets go after after hours, then we could see a big move in in, the, in rates. We've seen risk FX moving. You know, volatilities and you know subsided a bit. So yeah, I mean, we, everyone, yeah, you know, cross asset traders have got to look at that, right?
1: I mean, they, they are, and and I know a lot of people in our community trade it, but a lot of people in your community, you know, if you have a Pepperstone account and you trade CFDs, you can trade uh, Nvidia, and so there's a lot of people, a lot of eyeballs on it, and so and it, it moves the market. I mean, it makes up such a large component of the S&P and 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 SEC 100. I mean, it is just uh, the 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 move back. Now, just I want everybody to understand, you know, after hours right now, <coughs> excuse me. We have the uh, earnings call that's happening actually during filming right now. Uh the the stock is basically back where it was earlier this week after the, you know, little little bit of a sell off the last couple of days. So we're going to just see where Nvidia tops out. Well, let's go into it. Let's go and have a look at those
0: results in a bit more depth. I know we've sort of just sort of talked about the sort of background and the trading environment. Let's go into the to the results and what it actually means uh, for markets going forward. So let's go into uh let's go into topical funder. Well, things are pretty lively. Um I'll let you let you have a drink um, Blake. um but uh, yeah, look we've just Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much about the numbers we need to look at. I mean, they have absolutely block, blown the lights out. I mean, we're going to sales and and the and the Q4 uh, numbers I mean, they, they, they always beat on revenue. I mean, I think that there's one time when they've been in line back in 2022, but, you know, you go back fast, last 15 quarters, they smashed the lights out of expectations, both sell-side and the buy-side expectations. Their guidance uh, for the for the April quarter, 24 billion, give or take 2%, um, was, was well above what the street was looking for, 21.89 billion, pretty much in line with the most lofty sort of buy-side expectations. But they've done... I mean, they're doing it. Their data centers are smashing it. You know, you can go through the various divisions. Obviously, we look at data centers above everything else there. But, you know, they've done everything well. I mean, you're talking about a company that's guiding um, to gross margins of 77%. (laughs) Um, You've got return on equity of about 91%. I mean, the, the revenue growth that these guys are seeing... Yeah, quarter after, quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. It's exponential. And there's kickers that suggest that it continues to go. I mean, they're making 40% of their sales at the moment from Microsoft, AWS, and from Meta. That's going to continue. I know that Intel are trying to make a play in there, and you've got AMD are doing some good stuff there. But the barriers to entry are still pretty high. And, of course, NVIDIA are so far ahead that they will just produce better chips before everyone else gets into that space. Um, they're talking about governments wanting to get more into it. You know, Potentially, if they go out and... Um, you know, they were to have a sort of a a, a China fr- friendly uh, or a US friendly chip that, that sort of appeals to China and can get through the keeper. Then obviously that that's a massive boost. There's there's obviously a lot of kickers still to come, but in terms of the way that the company's looking at the moment, I mean these guys, I mean it's what a what a beast, what an absolutely brilliantly run company in the right space. Um, it goes to an all-time highs, in my opinion, and it's lifting super micro. You know, what they're saying about generative AI being at a tipping point has huge macro implications as well, not just because of the the company, but the whole scene as well in terms of productivity, you know, what that means for sort of rates and stuff like that, the whole scene. I mean, they are changing the game Um it, it's just, it's just, it's just a marvel to see, to be honest. So, I think the stock trades to the all-time highs. I think it's taking up the queues. I think it's taking up the whole space, to be honest. So, I remain a buyer of dips. So, I think this, 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 goes high. What are you thinking? Sorry, I've just eaten loads of time.
1: Now. Uh, no, that's okay. I, I just want to say, you know, th- this company is not a fly-by-night company. They've, they've been around, and, 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 you know, really off the heels of all the data centers for the Bitcoin miners drove that stock up initially. You know, in the, in the late, you know, like. 2019, 2020, COVID, you know all the supply chain uh, gluts. The 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 uh, the, uh, the 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 race was on to get Nvidia, you know everything. And then now here we are with AI. I heard an analyst has said something that really um, caught my eye. It was it's not an analyst per se, but it's something it's something that was said about AI. Um, and this kind of stuck with me. What you're seeing right now in AI is only going to get better. It's doesn't doesn't reverse, right? There is no like reversal of what you're seeing in AI. So uh, you know it's an amazing, amazing story, amazing stock, amazing company, and it's gonna it's gonna provide a lot of uh, a lot of breath and sentiment to the market, which you know is needed at this point because a lot of people feel that we are stretched. I
0: just here. I don't I don't think valuations matter too much. Thirty times earnings, uh, thirty times yeah, fine. AMD is forty two. But if this breaks out, all that happens then is you start people. All, all that happens is that is the streets start, or the, the the trading community start buying, yeah, calls out, call, yeah, slightly out of the money calls. Price rallies through there. Dealers then have to hedge their their, their you know their, their exposures. They buy the underlying, it just perpetuates going forward. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, people are just buying calls. The 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 ratio of calls to puts. You know, are, are, are much higher. The, the implied volatility on the upside and calls is is, is you know, far higher than what it is on, on puts for one month um, twenty five delta calls, and that's very rare to see that in a stock puts usually trade at a higher implied vol. So, yeah, I think if this starts moving up, it just self perpetuates because everyone just buys these these momentum chasing options and and it just yeah just pushes it too high. So, it's it's not less. It's less about the valuation. It's just about the momentum, and then people chase it, and then you get these kind of mechanical flows that take place as well.
1: So in case you're not looking at the chart, 750 is going to be the level to be watching in NVIDIA because that would be um, taking out all time highs, which, you know, post market, we're trading at uh, 732. So up, up about eight and a half percent, as I just looked at the market. Anyway, great story. Um, it's going to obviously pre- uh, press sentiment and you're going to see it affect the markets, which will take us into our next topic. Let's talk about the markets. And um, you know, I want to discuss this because I, there's been a lot of conversations about about this in general. When you're dealing with the markets, the markets like to produce, and I found very much likes to catch the market offsides. So you gotta ask yourself who's offsides right now. And and a lot of people might say, Oh, well, you know, if you're short, if you're short, you're you know, you're you're offsides. I would tend to disagree with that and the reason why i say that is because we've been now in a bullish breakout for the last couple of three four weeks if you're short the markets right now you're a trader but institutional wise and the markets just in general are bullish and they're going with this bullish run seasonally we expect you know stocks to continue higher probably over the next couple of months it's a good time to be in the stock market generally speaking seasonally wise so I, I'm going to ask you, Chris. Right now, how do you see the market where people are positioned? Because you get a little bit more of a a flow oriented uh, type of view of the market through you know you, you know the, your broker being Pepperstone, and so I just want to see how you view the markets at this point.
0: Well, we've been in a bit of a distribution uh, in the Nasdaq and the S and P and the and, and the U S five hundred. Sorry, uh, yeah, U S thirty. Um, and we just sort of cracking to the downside, but we were seeing some buying support coming back in because of yeah people were rolling out of tech, and obviously we'd seen a big decent drawdown in in, in Nvidia going into results, but that looks like it's abated now. So we were wondering perhaps if you know if we got this 11% move in Nvidia that the options market were predicting to the downside, um, then then that potentially could see you know this concentration of equity holdings yeah you know, coming out, and we could see um, yeah you know, further downside. And of course, when you see further downside. Yeah, you know, volatility picks up and then it manifests into 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 greater drawdown. You know, volatility begets further further weakness. But I think this NVIDIA result, if it if it does follow through buying, if we see some really strong moves in the cash, does negate that situation. Um, banks look okay, um, you know, values okay. Um but I think the idea was here that high growth was potentially going to go in the doghouse for a little bit of time, but that looks like it's it's out of the thing. So I do see um, after this sort of range-bound short-term trade that we've been seeing um in these global equity in u.s equity markets that probably we're they're seeing a higher chance that we break out to new all-time highs again that's a big if we we do have some data to go through this week pmis and whatnot but uh um, and we still need to obviously work our way through the rate story which we can talk about in a second but um yeah i, I feel that if, if if the ai side gets its mojo back again um then then we see new all-time highs coming through in the nasdaq how are you seeing it
1: uh, well, you know, I, first of all, you, you, we can't we can't argue that we're in a bullish breakout in equities and everybody's everybody's on board right now. And that's the thing. I, I've I've seen a lot of bears turn bullish, which it's interesting. You, you you don't have very many bears out there. So I think the 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 market being wrong footed would be if we sold off. But look, I think oh, yes, what that, happens Yeah, I think the pain trade is if the market goes down from here. But I don't believe we're there. Obviously, Nvidia came in and saved the day today. Price action, as as you point out, we have to get past tomorrow. What happens after tomorrow is going to be really important. You get to buy the rumors, sell the news. We we saw it clear as day at the end of the day in in U.S. equities. You saw Nvidia rallying. You saw equities rallying. And I think I and I said this uh, midday to our traders. I'm like. The market was anticipated. It came in with too, they're too too low of expectations for Nvidia. It's going to rally back into the numbers, and we did. But now, post numbers, you know, Nvidia is a lot higher. So I think how it carries sentiment and where we where we end up tomorrow is going to be pretty important. I think.
0: Yeah, cool. And I want to go to Fed policy. So let's go to the next section because I think it feeds in well. Because what I was saying to I was talking to a client yesterday, and he was saying, you know, when do we get when yeah you know, when do we get this big drawdown in the equity market? Does it happen?" And I said, "Well." One, it would be conditional on, on what NVIDIA say. And if we see 11% decline, given that it's got a 4% weighting on the S&P, 5% weighting on the NASDAQ, then yeah, that would be probably the start of the catalyst. Then we go into, into the February data series, which has got us on edge because of the, the, the very strong CPI numbers that we saw in the PPI numbers and obviously payrolls, well above 300,000 in the last read. And you know that has started this very early conversation um, Bill Dudley, the ex-New York Fed president, started talking about it. Um, obviously, we hold Larry, Larry Summers, um, ex-Treasury Secretary, talking about the undermarket, underpricing uh, rate hikes. Um, and then there's a number of factors. And in fact, if you look at the safer futures market or safer options market, if you look at the sort of bimodal distribution, there are people betting on rate hikes now in the in the year. Obviously, the market still sort of the collective weight of money is still looking for rate cuts this year, three and a half odd or, or rate cuts this year. Um, but there are people betting and hedging out that risk that potentially, you know, we could get um, rate hikes. And I think that really depends on, the, on on what happens in this data series now. Because the market has said, oh, look, we've got a hot number, maybe it's an idiosyncratic seasonally sort of issue. But if we get strong February data, which comes out in March, then maybe that, that, that raises rate hike expectations a little bit more. And that would create much higher volatility, in my opinion. And so what are we looking for, Blake? I'm looking for core PCE Starts. On the 29th, that's going, to be, that's going to be hot because obviously it's taken those components from CPI and PPI. Then we go on to the 8th of March, we've got the non-farm payrolls number. Of, it's very hard to predict what that's going to happen. But if we were to see you know, a number 300 odd thousand or so and, and obviously average hourly earnings continue to be very hot, that, that would be, I think, wages would be bad for the market. CPI on the 11th of March, again, we'll have a look at that super core number, have a look at services. You know, if that's strong again, 40 basis points or so, the market will de-risk. PPI um, uh, yeah, a few days later, and then on the 20th of March, we've got the Fed meeting. If those numbers are hot, I think the market goes – I think it de-risks. I think that would be the catalyst um, for, for a bigger drawdown. Um, is this something that you're sort of focused on? I mean, this idea that hikes could happen later this year, is it—is it just a nonsense situation?
1: Uh, it's a good question. I, You know, here's here's the thing. I think higher for longer is always going to be the Fed's mantra at this right. point. So, Correct. Yeah. But um, – so rate hikes – Hmm. Eh, I, I don't really know about that, but I know what can counter, in my opinion, and it was mentioned today in the FOMC meeting minutes. Some of the things that could counter um, uh, what might happen with expectations is the Fed could could really start talking about what they're going to do with their QT programs, you know, with quantitative tightening. So, um, you know, to counteract some of that, some of that idea that oh, will the Fed even hike? you know maybe maybe they they you know reduce their their qt and 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 that would in essence support the market as well so that's something i think is more viable right now as far as rate hikes go yeah shoot i don't i do mean not, the bar-
0: the barriers are so high right but uh, I mean, they, my my point is are- that, my point is that i think the market's okay with rate hikes coming a rate cuts coming out of the market as long as it's backed by growth and strong growth if rate, uh, rate cuts are coming out of the market because of inflationary pressures and a real concern about what's happening with service inflation and Supercore, I don't think the market likes that. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we're yeah. going to have to get hikes, but rate cuts coming out of the market is driven by that sort of right tail, the inflationary side of things. I don't think the market likes that, especially. So if we, if, we, if we were to get another series of strong data in that point, rate cuts coming out because of inflation, not because of growth, I think that, that we'd see a high volatility in the market across asset class.
1: All right, you know, and that's point well taken. I, I, I can't really argue that point other than the, the market has been very absent minded when 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 you're thinking about the expectations have shifted so much already. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I agree well, with what you're saying there. They've
0: shifted all up, but the market's come to the Fed. You'd say when we were I think on Christmas or just around just after Christmas period, we had over seven over seven rate cuts coming. I mean, look, it's easy to say that a benefit of hindsight, but obviously the market was pricing in a recession risk. It was overzealous, and that was too much. Now we've got a, a, a nice equilibrium between you know where the Fed have been saying with the dots and where the market's priced. It's it probably it's probably part of the reason why we're we're seeing quite low volatility in the FX market now. But we've come to a more equilibrium state. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. That's the one thing that uh, that that FX loves is it loves when interest rate expectations are shifting a lot. And I think they are going to be a lot all year long. So, you know, I I do still believe the FX is going to be the place to be in 2024. All right, let's go to the last topic. I want to talk a little bit about commercial real estate um, because it has been really the topic of conversation in a lot of the U.S. headline news. And, And a lot of people wonder, you know, how's it, To gauge and how do you really gauge, you know what's happening in commercial real estate? I was watching this um this uh uh, uh, news story, this video news story from uh, from um, I think it was PBS, which happens to be like the public broadcast system. They 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 do sometimes they did some little investigative reporting talking about San Francisco is thirty to thirty five percent vacant. Now usually they run it around ten to fifteen percent vacancy, but you're talking about San Francisco too, so it's like you got to take it with a little bit of Grain of salt, but I understand, and I don't think I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out. Since COVID, things have shifted from from you know work in the office, work at home, and even where I live, and I'm sure probably where you you're at. If I guessed, you know, vacancies are up quite a bit, and so I guess the question is, how do we? Well, there's a couple things. How do we see where to you know how how to how to identify what's happening because. If you look at most REITs, you know real estate investment trusts. If you just look across the board, um, they're drifting lower towards post-COVID levels. Like you're you're starting to see that now. You would think, first of all, you you you'd see some pressure on the KRE, which is regional banks, which arguably you probably have. But there's a lot of conversations between lenders and you know lenders being the banks, the the the, the regional banks and. You know, commercial real estate holders, where they're just repricing and 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 renegotiating some of these some of these uh, loans, so they're not you know meeting up to where you know the banks are going to basically take some of the loss. How much they can take, I don't know. But then I was re- re- also reading this research report and listening to Carson Block. He's the founder of Muddy Waters Research, and he was like, "Well, one of the best ways to look at commercial real estate is BMXT, which Blackstone Mortgage Trust." That's the way he's going to look to express, like, you know, if he's going to be short commercial real estate. I know I went on a lot, but I, I just wanted to to kind of raise the issue because I think it's something that people are talking about it. I get why they're talking about it. And it is kind of one of those things that people brush under the rug, which I don't know if is really wise. Um, I think it's worth, are you, are you definitely worth putting it on the radio. I mean, I think we saw a yeah. Yeah, it
0: was front front page um, on the FT over the weekend as well. There was a yeah, a, a sort of a big pit picture about it. But yeah, look, I mean, it, yeah, I'm guided by a few factors. Maybe I haven't heard about the Blackstone. But I think that makes a lot of sense given their exposure there. So I think yeah, you maybe use that as a canary in a coal mine and see how the equity is trading. Um, the other one that you want to look at. Uh, is Obviously, yeah, you just mentioned the KRE. I mean, some of these regional banks have got big exposure to commercial real estate. Um, and that's actually just... Tr- that had a bit of a fall, but now it's sort of trading sideways and the equity seems to be holding in quite well. Um, maybe reflection that you know, bond yields are sort of just moving sideways at the moment. But um, yeah, I think the KRE equities... Trading okay. It's not really giving me any kind of red flags. Maybe the market knows that if there's any concerns, the Fed will come to the rescue straight away. The Fed put is obviously alive and well in this equity market. Um, the other one is that the you can have the commercial um, mortgage backs, um, the CMBX, which is sort of a, a sort of a basket of commercial bank uh, commercial mortgage backed securities, um, and that's actually trading about 83 cents in the dollar, and that's been trading stronger recently. So that's that's another way of looking at sort of the exposure, and the risk around different tranches of, of, of mortgage-backed securities exposed to the um, commercial real estate market. And that's actually improved quite a lot over the last couple of months. So, you know, you go back to the, to obviously, last last March, it was you know, sort of the lower echelon tranches were getting badly beaten up. But now, you know, some of the, the high quality stuff is moving up a bit better and that's not giving me any red flags. So I don't trade this per se, but I, I think, you know, you're right to put this on the radar because if it does become more of a problem again, it will impact broad asset markets the dollar will, will move you're going to see risk FX moving you're obviously going to see rates moving risk FX uh, risk equity moving pretty sharply and and the market will not see this as a one-day affair they'll go out searching for a response from the Federal Reserve so yeah we go I'm looking at the KRE, Blackstone CMBX um, if they start showing me a bit more concern yeah I think we'll see it spill over
1: and one of the one of the last things I want to mention just when doing a lot of research on this this topic you know a lot of these regional banks and their their you know discussions with and and, and renegotiations, everybody's extend and pretend, meaning we'll extend out, you know, extend everything out. We're going to pretend everything's OK as long as rates come down. But going back to the previous conversation about Fed, 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 policy, Fed policy, late in the day for me, remember, um, you know, the, the thing is that if rates don't start coming down soon, this is when it starts to percolate. Across the economy, you start to you start to hear bigger and louder murmurings around. So that well, one, I think it's worth definitely
0: noting. one that we need to keep an eye on. Anyway, let's go to that's a setup and look at some of the charts. Front of mind. Well, uh, we brought up the Nasdaq. We talked about it quite uh, quite a, in some length, but uh, let's have a look at the daily chart of the nasdaq one of the things that we were seeing was they uh, talked about that sort of very modest distribution coming forward and it was looking like it's crack obviously we've broken you know the the, the rising uptrend that's been in place uh, i think you noted it uh, last week or week before about the the, the the obviously the divergence that's taking place between price and the yeah, various oscillators um and that was given Is that us all
1: disappear of- tomorrow chris
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, no, and, that, and 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 you'd seen that looking like it was it was it was completing, and, and yeah, we're potentially going to see some higher volatility, which could lead to some signs of, of, of better tasting for for people who are holding short positions. But um, yeah, you can see that that the buying support coming back into the Nasdaq. Nasdaq futures are up about one percent since the cash close on the back of the video results. But um, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, I was like everyone else, hoping for a bit more life in the market, a bit more two way action. Um, but it feels. That we probably reclaim those um yeah those all-time highs around the eighteen thousand level yeah obviously i don't know that but that that feels like where, where the probability is at the moment so i'll probably be long at the moment stop below those recent lows there and maybe flip the position but um how are you
1: seeing it like well i'm seeing that the dips are very shallow and um like i said nvidia earlier nvidia really came to the rescue here and i think it's gonna really push a lot of nervous nellies back into the market that might have been nervous over the course of the last couple of days no reason to be bearish, and you know there, there's a there's a line, and I'm not necessarily looking at the Nasdaq 100, uh, but we're not going to be looking. I don't think we're looking at the S and P today, but I'm going to say the S and P. All I really care about right now, to be honest, is 4800, 4820. As long as we hold that, there's there's like no reason to be like short risk. Is that 4820 yeah, last risk. week's low, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was it was the breakout point. It was the January. I think it was January 2020. Two, three, no, breakout right, yes, point? Sir. Anyway, um, regardless, and no, we came down to 49.20 last oh, week. Regardless, answer, regardless, yes, sir, sir. Yeah, stocks, stocks are still very, very well-supported. I still think there's a lot of divergence out there. And what's going to be most important is seeing price action tomorrow. Sell the news doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen tonight on NVIDIA. Sell the news happens tomorrow. Once the market reopens and people get their bearings straight, so that's why if we do get a sell the news event, everybody's like, oh, new is going to be strong earnings. Oh, we're going to short NVIDIA now or we're going to sell now. It's going to happen tomorrow. I don't think uh, after seeing all the numbers, it's hard for me to see that happening. But we'll, yeah. you know, we'll have to look at the
0: tape. Because market
1: never ceases to amaze me, Chris. It doesn't.
0: And, and you know what? The, the, the tape tomorrow is going to be very, very interesting. If How that market closes, how NVIDIA closes is going to be everything you need to know there. Because if it closes on the highs, then the probability is it can, continues to rip. Obviously, that's going to be determined what will happen from the CA Market could open up, trade 10% higher, and then people look to use that as, as exit liquidity and sell into it. Um, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, how that market, how NVIDIA closes tomorrow, I think will be really, really important for how these you know, broad equity markets trade in the short term.
1: 100% agree with that. So make sure you got uh, it front and center on your radar tomorrow. Um, so the chart, the setup that I'm going to bring, my first one, is going to be crude oil. Now, crude has been very, very, very buoyant. And pullbacks have been very shallow. And if you want to talk about like the, the 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 Achilles heel or the nightmare that probably most central bankers are feeling right now is what happens to inflation expectations. Front and center, you know, when you're you're in a you're in a you're in a yes, we are in a election year for not only the U.S. but a lot of uh you know regions around the world, a lot of places around the world. The last thing that a central banker needs, or any politician for that matter, that once that's trying to get reelected is higher energy costs and crude oil looks poised to break out. We're nudging our head up against the 38% retracement, holding the 200 DMA. Frankly, we start breaking above 78 or excuse me, 79, $80 uh, in crude. We're going to rip up to $85, probably fairly quickly. And I am i don't trade crude oil per se, not that often. And I always tell people I'm really not that good at crude. Crude is one of those things that I just don't trade very well, but I tend to call it pretty good. So, you know, just watch the price action here. If it starts to break above 80, it's probably going to squeeze. And if it squeezes, it's probably going to be a decent squeeze. What do you think about crude at these levels? Mate, sounds like to me that you need to
0: change trading style. You're calling it right, hold the positions <laughs> a bit longer and, and trade a wider stop. There you go. Fixed it for you. Right. Um, um, right. No, I mean, yeah, actually, I mean, you have seen, you know, if you have a look at break-evens or what we call one, one you know, the market's kind of pricing of, of short-term uh, inflation expectations over a specific period. Then, you know, one-year break evens have been moving up quite quite sharply recently. So, yeah, you know, short-term rate inflation expectations have been on the rise, and, and some of it can be attributed to what we're being seen crude. Obviously, some of it is down just to realised um, inflation moving up in itself. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, we haven't necessarily seen. Longer term inflation expectations moving up, five year, five year break evens have, have, have moved up a little bit, but no, nowhere to near the same sort of levels. Um, and I think that's really, really important. So, yeah, I do think this is a, a situation that needs to be on radars. If we do break through that neckline, then, yeah, you know, technically it obviously goes higher and that would be a concern for the markets. Um, geopolitics seems to be supporting at the moment. But I, where does this become a, a real problem I don't think it's a problem at these levels at the moment. I don't think it's a it's going to be a headache for Biden. I don't think it's not something that Trump can really pull out in his in his cards at the moment, um, or Nikki Haley, should we say? But um, yeah, I think if we were to get into yeah above ninety bucks, then I think they'd become obviously a a much more political uh, beast, and Trump would obviously be using that very closely, especially with with Biden drawing down you know the the American uh, reserves as well. So I think that becomes a bit more political, perhaps above ninety dollars. I don't think it's a problem at the moment, but. Very very short term inflation expectations have been moving up, um, and that is somewhat problematic. But it's not at levels where I think the markets really too concerned broadly at the moment. But uh, there we go. I want to see. I want to see euro dollar. I want to go back into something that I know you do trade well, um, and that is the euro dollar. Now I've got a, sort of a multifaceted approach to this because you know I was talking to someone yesterday and they were like, "What what's causing? Yeah, we've got really strong CPI, really strong PPI, and I know the world owns a, a fairly punchy long US dollar position, which is curbing the upside." <coughs> but what's necessarily causing this this grind up into the top of this channel that we're seeing in euro dollar in the top pane there um, and one of the, the couple of factors is if you have a look at the bottom uh, pane you can have a look at um, the JP Morgan g7fX volatility index and you can see it's basically shot to pieces it's multi-year lows at the moment and I think that's that's one pushing up carry which isn't necessarily a trade of euro dollar um, but some of the LATAM currencies are finding support on that um, but it does help relative value trades. And, and what you're seeing in the middle pane there is, is European 10-year real rates minus US 10-year real rates. So what you're seeing there is, is European real rates are actually moving up, the yield is moving up faster than in the US. And that's putting upside value into euro-dollar. And you can see there's actually been a reasonable correlation recently. So real rates are moving up faster. It's putting upside in euro-dollar. I think that's the key driver for me at the moment of euro-dollar that's causing this steady grind. Um, but how are you seeing it, Blake?
1: Well, um, first of all, I, I want to say that the dollar index, I have two inverted head and shoulder patterns that I'm not going to show you here, but I've talked a lot about them over the last several weeks, actually since the beginning of the year. The first one already completed when the dollar index hit 105, which basically is the low in the euro around 107. It was a big 618 retracement around 107.15. The euro has been steadily kind of climbing, and I, I, I kind of know where the breakpoints are right off the top of my head. 108.40. If we take out 108.40, we should probably rally to 109. And I think that that that's really well illustrated in the the downtrend that you have, the little channel that you have in the chart. Um, I think the euro looks squeezable. I'm fine with that. I've, I've got actually some euro crosses that I'm I'm long that I hope would uh, would would um, appreciate you know a move higher in the euro dollar. But I, I I'm kind of agnostic as far as the euro goes because I know the dollar has completed in one of its patterns, and it's kind of in process of the second one, which I haven't been super confident about. But this rise in equities, you know, I why why shouldn't the euro, uh, with, with real rates, as you're pointing out, moving higher, why shouldn't the euro move up to 109? I I don't I couldn't even argue that point right now.
0: Yeah, well, you I know, think it's so- there's probably, there's probably better trades. I brought that up because obviously euro-dollar is, is the one that everyone looks at above everything else. I and mean, the Kiwi's looking strong at the moment. The Nor- uh, Norwegian crown... It's looking pretty good. I mean, I like um, I like higher NOKI stocky at the moment. Um, Aussie Kiwi lower I like at the moment. Um, so there's a couple of currencies The the Kiwi looks pretty good. NOKI is a uh, stocky's been doing quite well in itself. But yeah, I think there's, there's things that are working. Um, but when we're talking Euro Dollar right now, I think we're probably seeing you know just a, a steady grind. And and I do think this the, the idea of real rates, which are effectively for people who don't know what real rates are it's it's the 10-year treasury or 10-year bund for europe uh, minus inflation expectations for that for, for that duration so you're getting the nominal treasury and you're deflating it for expected inflation to get what we call the the real rate of
1: of return there so that's kind of what we're looking at all right well the last setup i'm going to bring uh, to you and this is a kind of a cheeky one here uh, we don't want to upset the the apple cart chart and uh and you guys uh we had a little bit of pre-recording uh I had ch- I had cart and and you guys threw in the h chris very clever um but you don't want to upset the apple cart now the the thing is is you see that big green bar below the 200 dma on that last move that was after earnings and we it was on our radar but it was like wedge support we got below that support for earnings rip right back up We're right at the 618 or coming into the 618 right now. I think it's really important that we keep an eye on this level because this, you know, whether all eyes are on NVIDIA or not, the other eye should always be on Apple because Apple is one of the largest holdings in most funds, institutions, uh, just from an institutional standpoint. So you start trading much below 178, 177. I think that's going to get a lot of attention. So tomorrow... Just we can speak maybe about tomorrow because NVIDIA is probably going to open higher, see how NVIDIA trades, see how the market digests all the information that it has. Watch Apple pretty carefully. The Apple has not done a whole lot. And Apple is one of those situations where if it starts underperforming, you might have asset managers look around and say, well, I'm going to keep my NVIDIA, but I'm going to shave off a little bit of this Apple that hasn't been squat for me this year. So that's when you start looking at stocks that are underperforming in Apple for 2024 thus far it's a little bit of an underperformer. It has done so how that. important are you or
0: how important is Apple to you? Well, it's always going to be very important. It's got the second biggest market cap in the S&P, so you know if it does weigh and 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 just sort of grind lower then yeah that's going to sort of drag on the performance of the index and I'm more of an index trader than a the single stock uh, trader. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all, all the all the upside, all the love is in AI at the moment, um, and, and that's what we're exploring. That's where the development is taking place. I mean, I, I, Apple have made mentions that they're looking in this space, and they need to accelerate if they want to win some some, some share. Microsoft as well are, you know, obviously pushing into that space and, and have done some good stuff. Um, but Apple sort of seem to be sort of not in that sweet spot at the moment. Yeah, they're not really there's not huge catalysts for the, for, the, for the share price. There's nothing wrong with the shares. I mean, they're a fantastic company, obviously, but I think we're looking for kickers at the moment and we're not probably seeing them in, in, in Apple as we are in some of the other names as well. So if you want a high growth, you want to play, you want to mess around in the momentum names, things that are going up and they're going up not because people love the story and they're trying to explore a story in the future that they're finding very hard to model. Apple doesn't have that that same exposure, so it's just kind of in the just kind of in languishing terms. People want to put capital to things that are that are sexy and 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 are, are seeing high growth, and Apple doesn't have that kind of exposure at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's just yeah maybe there's a pairs trade long long Nvidia, <laughs> short Apple, probably a good one there. See what
1: Ooh, happens. Oh, now now you're talking. We we'll just in go Syria, long Nvidia, just like just go long that. Nvidia
0: and just get the just get the delta from from the from the direction there. So there you go. But uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, if we do see it roll over technically, like you're talking about there, then then, uh, yeah, obviously that's going to weigh on the index, it always will. So, yeah, Nvidia is going to have to do even harder work for people who are bullish on the NASDAQ and the S&P, so we'll see what happens there. Good shot. Let's go to play day. First one I'm going to do, a bit of a conflict here, Blake. Um, bit of a conflict coming through. I like this, it's going up, it's doing everything right at the moment. Um... Obviously, we know about, well, we talk, everyone knows what's going on in Bank of Japan. They're, they're in no rush. And that yeah, we've got, obviously, ca- the concern is being short Short yen. is obviously got Kanda and Suzuki. Uh, Kanda's the, the, the head effects guy talking about you know, pushing back on yen weakness markets, not buying it at this stage. Um, but there's not really much reasons to be long yen other than sort of tactical, verbal jawboning. On the Kiwi side, yeah, the, the central bank there is, is probably good. The market's expecting them to be the last central bank to cut. Um, I know we're talking about Fed hikes. Not going to happen in, at the moment. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of market pricing, collective weight, then the RBNZ are going to be the, the last central bank to, to cut. Um, but we like that. And then obviously you've got equity markets. We see breakouts again in the S&P and, and the NASDAQ. Then you're going to get risk effects working well. It's going to be your MEX. It's going to be your stocky. It's going to be your knockies. It's going to be your, your Kiwis. Um, and we're seeing it working there. So we've got central bank divergence working well. Um, you've got yeah, momentum working well. I like it because it's going up. I mean, it's a very simple place to start. Um, would I be buying it right now, perhaps? I mean, I'm going to be looking to just take a little bit of heat out of this at the moment. 20, 30 pips lower, get in. Um, but I love the fact that you're buying into a strong trend. Technically, it's working well. Tactically, it's working well as well. So I like this one. Not buying it right now, but just probably just a little bit lower than where it is at the moment. And I'm going to be getting set in that in, in, in this position for high levels.
1: That you know, I can't argue with that chart, Chris. And 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 that 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 chart is breaking out and it is sexy. However, I'm gonna take you to my play of the day, which is the pound kiwi. And 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 if you know me, you know anything about me, I always respect the 618. 618, it's my favorite fib level. It's probably the most magnetic, it's most respected. Therefore, I'm trading off it. Matter of fact, we call this the play of the day. This, I happened to buy this today myself, and I picked it up uh, today with stops below today's lows, because I want to play against that 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 low level. Now I know that we have UK PMIs tomorrow morning. That's one. We have the Bank of, or uh, excuse me, the RBNZ, as uh, as you pointed out, going to be probably the last central bank to to uh, to cut rates, but they are next week. And what I like to do is I like to get in ahead of a central bank meeting, especially if I think that the RBNZ could lead maybe a little bit more dovishly. In the event that that does happen, I kind of want to be long or short some Kiwi, long something else in the meantime. Pound's been kind of beat up here, hasn't really done a whole lot. Cable could uh, outperform the Kiwi. That's not maybe saying that the Kiwi is a straight up short, but it's the way I'm going to play it. I'm going to play long off the 618 as long as that 618 can hold on a daily basis. Can't we just combine the powers that be and go long sterling yen? (laughs) And we can do that, too, which, ironically, I happen to get out of my pound yen, uh, uh, sterling yen long trade today, ironically. so how it
0: goes during the week. Um, Anyway, Blake, thank you very much for all your thoughts. Been some uh, some great insights there. And thank you, everyone, to watching at home. Uh, We hope that uh, you've enjoyed the show and that you get something from this. If you want to leave a comment below, that'd be great to see. And if you want to hit the like button, we'd really, really appreciate that one as well. Anyway, we'll see you next week for more of The Trade-Off.